Welcome. All right, all right. Well, welcome to another exhilarating episode of Energy Bites. Got my, I'm Bobby Nealon. Got my trusty co-host John Calfan, the Rad Dad, with me. What's up, everybody? And uh, excited to have on uh, Jeff Hughes. I mean, if you would have asked me a couple of years ago, um, or a year or two ago, people probably wouldn't have thought I would have Jeff Hughes on a podcast because the way we go back and forth on LinkedIn. <laughs> but uh, oh, absolutely. But now actually become really good friends. Um, Jeff is the founder at, at Point Flow Technologies. Is that? Yeah, point pointflow.co, pointflow companies is yeah. the parent company to four or five okay. shoot offs. So. Yeah, I know I know you're work kind of working on that uh that structure a little bit, you know, how to can't really put yourself in a box. But um but yeah, no, super excited to have him on. I mean, Jeff's got a lot of great experience in the energy industry and a lot of opinions too, which uh which we like. <laughs> we so, do especially uh, especially because they don't uh they don't always go with what everybody else is doing, which is I, I which typically is like to go the opposite way. Yeah. Too much swimming upstream so makes you stronger yeah. um <laughs> uh i didn't realize realize too that's kind of a pun you know upstream oil and gas so ah, uh, touche I like yeah it. Hey, um you gotta have the jokes. awesome well uh but either way let's just jump right into it and uh jeff you know first off let everyone know who you are and then kind of start you know how, how'd you get into you know maybe technology in general did you do any coding as a kid and then just you know your background how you got in oil and gas and you know what what got you to this point sure yeah it's kind of a kind of a crazy career path. I have a degree in accounting, um, stayed at from Oklahoma state and stayed there, got my MBA. I had the perfect setup with scholarship and a roommate that was a bartender. So I was not planning on leaving that anytime soon. Um, to stay there, degree in accounting, jumped to one Oak and Tulsa. And, um, my first kind of interaction with coding was I was actually an engineering major for a couple of years. And like all of the engineering majors in my fraternity, we, dropped out and became accountants. Um, but in the engineering class, there was an engineering computer programming. It was a, a VBA behind Excel and how to build apps and how to kind of I, I laugh because I, every- I took the same class. Oh, at least you had that. Oh, at least that was useful. Like I, my engineering math was MATLAB. It was awful. Yeah. Well, I mean, I loved it, man. Yeah. I, I, it was, it was awesome. But, uh, I got, I got to one Oak and, um, I was a credit analyst. So, sitting on the energy trade floor, which was awesome. I wanted to be an energy trader so bad. They were like yelling deals. And I mean, they got an argument one day about who had the best barbecue ribs. So they sent a guy to go get all the ribs in Tulsa and they had a taste testing and it was just an awesome environment. And I, so they would propose a deal with certain company. They'd be like, Hey, credit team, how much risk do we, or exposure do we have and how much can we go? So I would open up the 10 K on these clients and key all this information into a financial model and it would spit out an answer. And I started thinking, I was like, man, this is inefficient and ridiculous. So I, there's an empty Blueburn terminal and I connected that to their model and then built it where you could just type in the ticker and it auto-populated the model and gave the decision. And my boss at the time was like, well, I don't have any more work for you now. So just kind of hang out. So I literally just hung out for a couple months and they, Make, got, made, or made me an offer to move to a different company or a different department. And at the time, my girlfriend, now wife, had moved to OKC. So I jumped down to Chaparral in the finance department and um, kind of did the same thing as was drawn towards the tech side. Our, um, our forecast software is called TM1. It was a cube-based uh, IBM product. It was actually really cool, but pulled from Aries, pulled from Inertia, pulled from all these different sources and... Um, gave our finance team the ability to kind of manipulate data and present the forecast. Well, the 
sysadmin of it left and they were like, hey, Jeff, you know this pretty well. Like, do you want to run this system? I said, sure. So I kind of took over that and kept my tech path going. Um, fast forward a little bit, a guy named Scott Van Sickle was an engineer over there and kind of got word of me. And at the time, shout out I Scott. was just as argumentative. So I would, yeah, shout out to Scott. I think, I, I, I think at some point, uh, we, we bonded over a, uh, oh yeah, he's a, he's, he's a good, he, he's a, he's a genius man he's he was kind of the reason for my data um love he just quick note he uh at the company we started together he's the ceo and we basically stood up his own sql server so he can write his own scripts and do his own coding and build his own spotfire it's it's wild how much he gets that piece but um so he got he poached me over to the engineering team to help run wellview and data and all that kind of stuff um so we Worked together for two or three years there, and um, I was kind of at the—I was an engineering tech supervisor and um, kind of at the top of that career path, nowhere else to go. And had talked to him about, and I was like, "Hey, I'm looking for other jobs," and he was like, "Hey, we uh, potentially got this deal coming up." So we left Chaparral and started Revolution Resources in 2018, um, which was kind of wild because I was having my first kid and told my wife, "I was like, hey." I, I'm quitting this job and starting a company. And she was like, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're going to start a, um, start a oil and gas company, but it was, it was, it was an awesome ride, man. We, uh, we got funding from mountain capital out of Houston and bought an asset from gas star, the West Edmond hunt and lime unit. And, um, it was, it was fun. It was four of us. It was like that, that small office, you know, yeah. the startup. Casual feel. You're playing, playing Smash Brothers at two o'clock, and sometimes you're working till eleven p.m. kind of thing. But it was it was a fun ride. So started Revolution in 2018, grew from us four um, to we had three acquisitions, and we ended up buying Jones Energy, and we had like 65 people at that time. And my initial role was IT, accounting, uh, gas and oil marketing, basically everything non-engineering, and I loved it. And by the time we were big enough, it was my role was they're like, hey, you gotta you gotta wear less hats. Um, so I became IT director, did that for a couple of years, and um, got bored with it honestly. And I was like, I want to start start my own consulting company. And that's where PointFlow was born. Is I was like, I still want to do accounting, and I still want to do IT, and I still want to build data warehouses, and I still want to kind of take on the well views of the world. And that was the genesis of it. No, that's. That's a common theme on the uh, with pretty much all of our guests is there is not like a traditional route to getting into <laughs> to data or or data science or technology at all, and I think that's it's fascinating. Yeah, You're, I think I, the one constant is like a curiosity, and then like I got a problem, I need to solve right. it. Efficiency, problems, absolutely, I mean, and obviously computers are a huge part of right. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like you engineered your job away <laughs> the first company you know the first time you went to work when you when you automated the uh the reporting stuff you're like oh we don't need an analyst to analyze all of this stuff anymore it just happens <laughs> yeah i was like i don't why am i why am i combing through a 10k and keying this stuff in <laughs> right. like, so That's i mean awesome. this is a connected bloomberg terminal but let's just use technology so i mean I, and i do want to get into point flow but let's step back to revolution i mean like so you got to sure. stand this up right i mean awesome. like yeah. I mean, so from the tech and the data side, I mean, like, yeah. talk about like what you chose, why you chose it. I mean, what worked, you know, 
heck, what, what would you do, do different, if anything? I mean, yeah. and just kind of, and then how, and then we could kind of parlay that into how has that influenced what you're doing at, yeah. uh, at point flow. There's a lot of, a lot of people out there that, you know, oh, if, if I could re-architect it today, this is what I would, you know, they inherit all of this architecture tools and stuff and they hate them. And so I'm sure that was fun on your end being able to, well, it's fun and daunting all at the same time, right? Like, <laughs> you're like, well, I think this is the right decision, but so yeah, explain, explain some more on that. Sure. Yeah. We were, we were lucky enough to be, um, at Chaparral for long enough to kind of be ingrained with the IT department and kind of see what they were doing right and what they were doing wrong. So our, um, our thought and plan was a, to be super cost efficient because that's kind of what we sold ourselves as a team on was that we were, um, super not I mean cheap if you want to call it, but so we had some experiences with um, efforts to build applications internally that costs ran away and it just never worked. So we um, had kind of had the mindset of let's find solutions that are out there that are affordable. So we started with um, kind of the production software and we were like, wait, wait demoed a few and we picked we ended up picking iwell um mainly because they had an api it was like yes here's the app it looks good it's clean you can collect data but my concern as the it guy was like can i pull data from this right. and manipulate it and push it back yeah it was like do i have that capacity so we picked we picked iwell from the kind of pumper standpoint we picked wellview for the same reason as i can as long as you don't move over to that wellview cloud you can keep wellview on prem and kind of manipulate your data and, and control your own destiny. So we, we did that and that's when we, we kind of debated and went back and forth on, and this is what Bobby and I always argue about is cloud versus on-prem. And I, I will say what his major counterpoint is always uh, like infrastructure or your office. And we have the office we found had a great server room, had um, independent air conditioning and a natural gas generator for backup. So it was a perfect set. Yeah. We had a server right. rack just sitting there. So we decided to do on-prem. We bought um, four Dell R720s, just refurbished from a guy named Tech Mike, New York. Um, we got those four, we set them up in a little clustered environment and we spun up our virtual machines on that, bought some ubiquity switches and gateway. And kind of that was our, that was our uh, on-prem network setup. Um, at, at first, we were, I think for the first eight months, we were just, it was about, ooh, I don't know, in Weilu, probably 300-ish wells. So we were just running kind of the, the PDP analysis and how do we cut LOE? How do we get production up? So it was just kind of those softwares. It was iWell, Wellview, uh, Spotfire. We threw Spotfire on and then our kind of on-prem infrastructure. Oh, and Aries. We, we picked yeah. up Aries just because... And was Iwell handling like production accounting? Like that, that was say, instead of like America or something like that or? No, so, yeah, kind of. So pumpers enter the tank gauges, meter readings, all that kind of stuff. And then I pulled it into SQL and okay. ran any type of allocations to, because we had some shared batteries that we had to allocate to. Um, and I just wrote the allocations in SQL to then dump to our um, outsourced accounting team, Finley and Cook. Um, but, but yeah, and Aries is, I mean, the banks demanded at that time. So we went with Aries yeah. and again, SQL backend. So you can kind of manipulate it and keep it updated and all that kind of stuff. But hindsight, I don't know that we would have done much different. It was, it was super affordable and um, 
I had it. It's funny. I had it set up in my living room before we even found an office. We had the servers kind of set up next to my bed, and I got a picture of like all these boxes in my uh, in my foyer. And my wife was not exactly thrilled with it, but <laughs> I was like, "We'll eventually find an office that we can move all this to." But hey, but man, it was it was a blast. I would I do it all again in a heartbeat. It was a great learning experience and um, really fun. I think one story you've told and probably just a good one to have on here. I mean, let's talk about maybe going out into the field. Um, but I think you had some, said something, I don't know if you were out on a rig or something and they, they pulled you up or, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I did again, being the mindset of cheap is I went out to the field and handled stuff as much as we could. Cause that any type of SCADA consultant or any consultant is pretty expensive. So I would, when we brought a new, we eventually started drilling after those eight months, we hired a drilling engineer and geologist. And once we did, I, I kind of did the, the IT in the field and hooked up the um, comm devices for SCADA. Then I also, we ran the internet for the drilling rig. So we, we had a con- consultant out there who was doing, I can't remember, it was like a hundred bucks a day for internet. And it was the slowest. We couldn't sync on it. The guys couldn't stream anything. And the rig's like uh, about eight miles from our office. And we had a three-story, four-story building just three story. And I was like, I bet we could put a horn up here and just shoot it to the rig. So we bought a little $60 ubiquity antenna and That's put it up there. Cool. And I went and held it out there and I was like, Oh yeah, it works. So <laughs> we, we did our own internet and then they had like full streaming high speed internet out there. Um, That's awesome. So I would, I'd hooked that up each location. And then we had one location where they were down in a little hole and we could not get the, the horn to communicate at all. And, um, the, com- the company man was like, Hey, you can climb up the Derek there and, uh, hook it up. And I was like, I don't really want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty afraid of heights. And he was like, Oh, I'm not going to do it. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, Guess like, why don't you go ahead and do it? <laughs> and our, our drilling engineer was there too. And he was like, I will, he said, well, I'll call you and we'll each get AirPods in. And I'll tell you like, if, if the horns can see each other and how to line them up. I was like, okay. Well, I told I'm, I'm afraid of heights, definitely afraid of heights. And so we get up to the, the Derek to climb it. And he asked me how much I weigh. I'm like, oh, I weigh 185. And he's like, all right, cool. And he's like, all right, strap in. And I'm like, I strap in. He's like, all right, let, it, let him go. And it, it just starts like pulling me up. Yeah. I'm like, what the hell? And I'm like halfway up and I just kind of like lock in. And Miles is on the phone and he's like, oh, the horns can see each other. Go ahead and mount it there. Oh, so I mount it and got good connection good speed i'm to get down i'm like having to like do curls to pull myself down and i get all the way to the bottom and i'm like matt leverett was the company man i was like matt what did you do he's like well you told me you're afraid of heights so once you said you were 185 we set the climb assist to like 215 to make sure your ass got up that rig <laughs> i was like i was like oh okay he's like because if you got stuck i would have to climb it without the climb assist <laughs> right. and get you down it's <laughs> like fair enough so that was my one and only time to climb, climb the rig. And I didn't even climb it. Just <laughs> I thought pulled you were, me up. I thought you were going to be going towards the other direction where it was like, Oh, the harness is rated for 200. So you're good by 15 <laughs> whole pounds. Like that, yeah. You know? <laughs> nope. They just yanked me all the way up, yeah. but that's, it was, it was that kind of stuff. Approved, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure every safety man would have uh, approved. <laughs> we got, it was just a really cool experience to yeah. kind of start an operator from the ground up and, be involved in that kind of stuff um i want i want to hear some more thoughts because we've talked about this 
prior for those that don't know jeff does a energy and whiskey data night um that or most of last year we've had tons of conversations on but um i think one of the big ones that was really interesting to me just because you know i've always been on the ops side is all the account like y'all had a conversation at one point about what is a unique well identifier like how do you actually come up with that because there are so many different ways and of course that's just like a really interesting question to me as someone who understands all of that but has never had to you know have the day-to-day hands-on with it so i uh I want to pick your brain on that. So when y'all were setting, because you again, you got to set it up from scratch, which is you know most people, grass is always greener, right? I hate whatever services I'm using, or I hate how we use identifiers or whatever. So I'm curious how y'all went about doing that, you know? Because again, I think of it from just like the operations data side of things, but then when you get into yeah. accounting, it's a whole nother. Well, you're thinking thing, of it. Right? I mean, most people. Like, I mean, it's um, I think of it almost like a catch in the NFL. Like I know what a catch is when right. I see it. I mean, like <laughs> right, but then like. Oh wait, I guess that's a great. That's a great analogy. Um, but like, I think a lot of people think of it. There's a surface hole, mm-hmm. but then there's just so much more below the surface. Right. No pun intended. Yeah, uh, I could just. But I mean, I'll let Jeff jump in and talk about how they set it up and kind of even just your thoughts on it now. Yeah, that, that's my. Big thing, I think right? we even it's... talked about it. What about a month or two ago, Jeff? Like you, were, you were asking me like, how do you guys do it? Because yeah, well, <laughs> it's just fascinating. Because like people are so gaslighting many... me. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's so many opportunities for ways to do it, right? So it's I think it's fascinating to ask people, especially when they can do it from scratch. Like, what was your mindset going into it? What were you trying to make sure didn't happen, um, and things like that. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we. Um... Again, we were involved in the data warehouse build out of Chaparral, so we had we had a pretty good idea of what we wanted to do, and I kind of still stick to that same thing. Is we we use you, to me, you pick a software. Yeah, we picked Wellview. You could pick Aries, you could pick uh, your accounting ERP, whatever it is, and to me, that becomes your um, unique well identifier. You just have to make sure that you push the wells into that software, and I think Bobby and you and I have talked and. I'm pretty anti-API on this. I mean, I think the API is useful for a lot of things and a lot of joins, like API 10 especially, once yeah. you get We're talking you get about past the 10, well API numbers. Yeah, UWI, API, like the API standard or whatever, which is not even set by the actual API now, I don't think. And Oh, really? Yeah, and then I think I just heard too that like, is it the state of Virginia, which I didn't know they had oil wells, but like they still don't use the API numbers. It's, something <laughs> I was say, it's by state, isn't it? Yeah. Because yeah. even like, yeah, I think, yeah. you know, part of the API. You know, North Dakota will give an API 14 but it's just the four zeros so then like you're at the mercy of what IHS thinks the API 10 and versus what Inveris thinks right. it is and you know so on and so forth but it's a good like hey this is probably the well identifier yeah the API 10 but we 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 did like we picked Wellview and Wellview generates an ID well for each well so whether it's kind of a, a potential planning well in Aries, we push that to Wellview or an extra asset in accounting, we push it to Wellview and then we just label it in Wellview as a type, is not a well, right? So then your engineers, their view is only filtered to right. wells, but we, we use that well header in Wellview as our central database. And So it's just a um, relationship there. Yeah, it's just a relationship. <laughs> so then you've got cross-references yeah. i think they've in wellview they call them like well ida well idb c d and that's where you kind of cross-reference between your systems as you, you put in your aries prop num as one or your inertia or bolo id yeah. or your, your, your land stuff or whatever. Yeah. Land, yeah yeah so then you you kind of use that as your 
I don't know, your quarterback, if you will, everybody comes right. there and links back out. But, and that's anybody I build a kind of a data warehouse for is, um, I build the same way as I, I push towards, Hey, let's, let's pick a system because to me, the, whoever the kind of person that can see that UI makes it a ton easier right. than having to rely on someone who knows SQL. Like, yeah. Hey, could, can we go add this well to this? It's like, yeah, your, your system is Aries, right? So go yeah. add a well to Aries or go add a well to Wellview. Um, it just gives you a cleaner UI than having right. to put a help desk ticket in and have the IT guy make it SQL. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, we, we roll with Aries kind of as the spine of our kind of, you know, golden record, you know, but a, mainly just because like a well has to be created in Aries, you know, well before it even ever gets an API number or, or for us <laughs> ever gets put into open wells for us, you know, um, but I guess yep. to your credit, I, what y'all were saying was as soon as you would create a stick in Aries, it would get created as an inventory type asset in Wellview. Yep. Yeah. Sir. Yeah. So we've got, we ended up building kind of, um, AFE workflows in Wellview. We also built, uh, non-op proposals. So non-op proposal comes in, you generate the well in Wellview, kick it to geo and reservoir and they put their approval comments or deny comments. And then you've got a a PDF that generates from it to uh, whether we elect in or not. So it was kind of the, and like you said, you could do that in areas. You could do that in any system. You just yeah. need to pick, in my mind, you pick one and then use that unique identifier from the system to be your UWI. Um, you can, and I've seen companies do it where they integrate all of these systems into a separate data table and then they auto generate UWIs, which you can. Yeah. To me, it just, it you now rely on an IT guy right. to have to, create that and that's the yeah the downside of it well and i think because we were talking too but i mean we did an mdm implementation at university lands and it's like you then you can you can have that mdm platform create that but i mean there's a lot of overhead there and what we ended up finding and i think i've mentioned this before on the podcast is like half the time it wasn't actually the software it was like this by implementing the software it forced you to actually have the conversations you, you should have just had <laughs> right. you know otherwise because <laughs> you end up just doing you know 98 percent of the time you're doing just coalesce statements that Oh no! If it comes from you know Wellview, use that first. If it comes from right. you know, then use Aries. You know, and then you spent you know two hundred thousand dollars for something that you just if you just would have had the right conversations, um, yeah, you know all that to get a you know unique well identifier, a unique line. But um, I think one thing, and I think Jeff's really um, you know the right person to talk to about this because you come from that come from that accounting background. But one thing I didn't understand or appreciate until i got to gme was you know we do a lot of refracts and the thing with like horizontal refracts is they don't necessarily count as another completion in the traditional sense of say even an api 10 or 14 you know i mean i think that those last four digits have been well thought through by different groups at different points um but you know you would have a completion record right part of the api 14 well for a horizontal well like it's not like you're completing another zone right you're just re it's more really a workover yeah actually but but then say for any of these like capital workover type things or a refrack, it creates another payout deck that you have to jib back, you know, or see if people want to consent to to that work. Well, from an accounting side, now I've got the original cost center that we still need to track payout against. But then right. this, you know, different yeah. people could elect to right. be in on right. drilling com- original drilling completions, but then say, no, I don't want to participate in the refrack. Yeah. So now it's like you actually have two different cost centers yeah. that you're bouncing in your accounting system, which are the same well, but they're two different things right. that need to be allocated. And so then that creates a whole nother level of yeah. confusion. Actually, that's a good that's a good point. Jeff, can you just briefly touch on like the whole this whole idea just for the people that are like purely data science or technology or whatever that might not understand what it 
actually looks like operating an oil and gas well um about like how that works as far as you know the afes and the overrides and your work working interest and all of that stuff and with these types of things as far as like just your initial drilling and completion and then oh i've got a workover or you know a refrack or things like that like the average person on the technology side has no idea how that works or you know royalty interests and all of that fun stuff so if you could just like briefly because i'll i'll take 30 minutes to try and explain <laughs> i was it gonna say yeah that's a, it's a it's loaded, loaded, yeah, loaded question <laughs> but just like quickly right like you've got all these investors essentially and then they get the ability to opt in or opt out sure right and then answer the implications yeah on that side yeah i mean that was um <clears throat> kind of the genesis for point flow accounting was i've i've watched people spend two hundred thousand dollars on an erp and then they track payouts in excel it's just like why why are we doing this kind of stuff like i feel like i can do it better and so we're trying to build and we have we have four or five operators that we're running through our accounting system that we're building ourselves um but yeah, it's it's a different animal, man. I've got I I graduated with an accounting degree and I try to explain to my friends, I'm like, the credit card charge that you put driving to a drilling site is not just one entry, right? It gets now allocated to the three wells on this pad. And those three wells have four hundred owners, and then it gets divided again to those owners. So you've got these one this one cost line item that ends up as three cents to all of these guys who's yeah. who've participated in this well and it becomes i don't know like 800 ledger entries just by by allocating and then billing it you jib it out whether they pay it back or not or whether you net it so um each well has like the interest owners right you've got a hey we're we're a working interest owner we participated in this well we gave you capital or we're paying our capital piece and then it's got the royalty owners who own the minerals and they just have a right to a certain percentage of the profits. So you've got to track, in addition to the well, you've got to track all the owners, and they're called decks, all the division order decks of these wells. And then you take all the costs, allocate them out. And then on the revenue side, it gets even crazier when you've got <laughs> allocations coming in. That's you've insane. got one sales meter that feeds 20 wells. Right. So you've got to go allocate that to the owners and then divide it up. But the accounting side gets super, super messy. And then you add on kind of what Bobby's talking about. You've got, and this is f falling back to Chaparral again. We had a lot of um, vertical wells right. that weren't even, like you said, you came in and recompleted. These weren't even recompleted. They were just initially completed. And the owners, the mineral owners had depth rights. So they That's owned right, to yeah. a certain depth and the next owner owned this depth. So you had to set up, essentially you could do it two cost centers where these are, this one well is actually two wells or you could figure out an allocation between the two and set it up that way for two different decks. But yeah, that, I mean, that's all of that is what makes the oil and gas industry very, very hard to standardize. Yeah. And we've talked about it is like, we can't even agree on what is a well. And I think right. I've gone to like four PPDM meetings and everything, it's always that conversation. Like, can we define a well? Like, no, you really can't because to every company, it's completely, some companies don't have that. They don't have that vertical well that has two different ownerships. Right. So they don't care. They're like, well, that doesn't, that's not a situation yeah. we care yeah. about. We're going to, we're going to, we only drill new wells. We're going to trust the API. Like, that's fine until you, like you said, go back into a recomplete. And technically, your recomplete, you should just be a different deck where you, elect, you track participation because yeah. the first deck would then be um, inactive until this one pays out. But yeah, I, I mean, I've seen it both ways. Doing, but I think even for us, like, 
there's a certain period where there's still stuff rolling in for the other deck, you know, like, so the, from the, you know, there's still costs and stuff rolling in from the previous, you know, cost center. Right. And so you've got to be on the activity you, date, right? So yeah. You, so you, you leave that one open deck on a certain date. Yeah. But then depending on your ERP, maybe you can't have, you know, the same <laughs> thing active and yeah, inactive at the same time. Um, yeah. You should have them both active. You should just have like yeah. effective date and effective date beginning, but accountants like to, they'll deactivate the deck completely so it doesn't get any codes hitting it. Exactly. It's like, yeah. that's not really how the ERP is built to do. <laughs> yeah. But people don't yeah. understand, even like to your point, just like the depth rights, right? Like that's a state by state thing. People don't get that. Like on one hand, it's great that each state has its own, you know, independence and can vote on different things, but there's not a nationwide governance of a lot of this stuff, especially on the data side. And that's like, thank God on that. So, but... harder, so much harder. Right. Like there's there's <laughs> both sides of that, right? Like, hey, if we had a standard, but also who made that standard and is yeah. controlling it and pushing it forward and stuff. But it's uh yeah, it's so complex. Like, you know, oh yeah, we have to do all that stuff just on this zone. And then the zone below it, it's a completely different working interest and mineral owners and like everything else is it's but it's, it's all coming out of the same hole. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah, and then the production is commingled too, so then that gets even more fun. Um, so yeah, let's just um, let's jump towards point flow now. I mean, we've kind of touched a little bit. You've got an, a little bit about what you do, but let's talk about the, you know really more what what was the genesis of that. I know you talked a little bit about it, and then maybe why the name, and then just kind of what yeah, what you guys tell do us about it. Yeah, and it was it was born out of kind of two main uh, drivers in my head. It was one I was to a point where I was kind of bored at Revolution is I, I was just the IT director and we had automated everything. So I kind of come in and check and um, if everything ran successfully the night before, which was, I don't know, 80% of the time, then yeah. I, I didn't have a whole lot to do. And I don't like to be bored. I have a kind of a knack to go argue with people or like try to fix or change things. So um, it didn't sit well there. And then the other pieces, um, Revolution's kind of kind of unique where they've kept their team really small and they've started to use uh, outsource or contractors for a lot of things. And I kind of saw some inefficiencies in that realm. I was like, man, I can I can do that better. Like the so many, especially in accounting, is um, I'd watch like the mark to market calculations and they'd pull pull the price decks in and compare it against hedges and kind of calculate this mark to market. And I was like, man, if you pull, you should have an auto feed to the pricing. You should database your trades and then your mark to market is a button push. Right. It's like same with accruals is you you pull in your whatever field estimate software you're using right. and write the code to say, okay, here's where they should be, here's where they're at. Like let's book this adjustment accrual. Boom, button. And I get front and the accountant's like, ah, oh, we got took us three days to generate the accruals. Like, How? <laughs> Why? Like so bo- born out of like, hey, I think I can do it better. And then also I was a little bored in my role and I remember when I told Scott I was leaving, he was like, are you crazy? Like, you have a solid salary. You kind of got it made down there. And I was like, that's not really what I, I want to keep. I loved the, I loved the four person atmosphere when it's just us four right. kind of hanging out and, and doing stuff we had never done before and challenging ourselves. So that was, I was like, oh, I'll break out and do that. So uh, the name was just made up. I was just kind of talking to my wife and, throwing out names and I was like, what about point flow? She's like, oh, that sounds good. So <laughs> no real, yeah, no real significance behind it. But the idea, my, my thought has always been 
I would love to have five or six or seven companies where I can wake up in the morning and then tackle whatever problem that company is having. Right. So that's not, that's the variety I'm looking for. So that's the, why I was like, let's do point flow accounting. Let's do point flow technologies, which is kind of a low code software spinoff point flow consulting. And then I've got, uh, as I've talked to you, Bobby, the Lux pool cleaning, we started a pool cleaning company that's underneath point flow. Well, like Um, it was, it was like 30 something degrees a month or so ago. You texted me and Talal and you're like, you got your beanie on. Like, guess I'm, my guy's not showing up. Guess I'm going out. Like, yeah. Yeah. I had to go clean some pools that day. It was, it was so cold by like the third, I was like using the pole and I kind of stretched my hand back out and my middle finger didn't stretch back out. And I was like, oh God. But yeah, it was, but yeah, I mean, you own the company. We had one guy on vaca- vacation, one guy out with COVID. I was like, well, we got to strap up and go clean. So, yeah. Yep. Those uh, are the fun things about entrepreneurship. No one talks about. <laughs> well, it's like, what, it's like it sucks and fun is, at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah, it's it was a blast that one day. I don't want to do it the next day. I don't want to do it every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, come back to my computer, do a little bit of accounting, and close it down, and flip over and do some data. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean that's, that was that's, that's the idea. That's that's honestly why I feel like I like startups so much is because in those early days or in those growth modes, right? There's just so much shit that needs to be done. And there's such a dynamic, like there's always something to be done. Right. And so, and it could be sales, marketing, data, whatever, but just being able to have that, like I'm not sitting and doing the same exact thing every single day for the rest of my life. Part of it is, uh, is one of the reasons I love it so much. I mean, obviously there's plenty more there, but, um, I'm very curious about your thought i mean i know your thoughts on on kind of cloud and and things like that but i want to understand i I just want you to tell people about kind of that journey for you because i do think i mean obviously the last decade plus right everybody everybody's pushing cloud 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 you need to move cloud blah blah blah. and obviously there's lots of benefits to the cloud there's also lots of drawbacks right like when bobby came in this morning i was (laughs) i literally had a uh a little build your own PC wizard pulled up because I'm sick of trying to figure out which cloud instance we're going to set up our machine learning model on. And I'm like, yeah, screw it. We're just going to the cloud. We're just going to build a gaming PC and call it a server and it's going to run our machine learning models. <laughs> Go find a refurb one, man. They're cheap. Well, the problem, I mean, the specs we, he thinks he needs the specs. Yeah. I was looking at the specs just for like the, the Mistral seven B one and it's like 96 gigs of VRAM. It's like, Oh, well, I'm probably gonna need a server for that. If uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can definitely buy like a, a Z820 or something. I guess they're now like what are they Z8s? I have I'm no clue. But even like kind of RAM. the the NVIDIA GPU that he was using, he was like, oh yeah, and NVIDIA was nice enough to hook me up with this, you know, uh, RTX 6000. And I was like, oh, <laughs> it's like a nine grand. Yeah, it's a nine. <laughs> it's it's on Amazon for nine thousand dollars right now. I was like, oh. But wow. I mean, we were talking about it, and like I think one of the applications like, I'll always say that people probably should evaluate if you're running the cloud is like this whole machine learning, deep learning, like where there's continually churning and the models, like yeah, if it's always take this really recent, I mean, people pay a ton of money on the cloud for that. And like, and there's some infrastructure for big companies, like as far as like sure. SageMaker and pushing things in and out, but like it, for your, it gets so expensive. I mean, like, yeah, you're no. saying like you could, what you were complaining about as far as price, you could, what you would probably pay oh. per month, you know, for, Easily. you know, the, yeah, the Google, I think it was the Google Vertex estimates of what I would have paid for a month for a llama model on Google, which I still have yet to be able to stand up on Google. <laughs> Google, please 
fix that. Take it off or fix it. One or the other. Like I, I don't understand the point of your nice gooey wizard AI studio if it, you have models on there that literally won't work on your infrastructure. Um, but you know, like yeah, it gave me the estimate it was going to be like thirty grand a year or a month, not a year, a month. And I was like, oh well, shit. Ten grand server doesn't sound too bad at all, and I can yeah. depreciate it and write it off. But so just kind of tell so you know. Tell people about your strategy, your thoughts, like the pros and cons of it, um, you know, because it's not made for everybody, right? Like it's not going to be something that works for every single person out there. But I do think it is just so overlooked these days, uh, especially when, you know, we're talking about billion dollar publicly traded companies that probably have a lot of their own infrastructure. Just historically, they've always right. had it um, to just kind of tell us a little bit about the, you know, the why some of the the really big benefits that you have obviously cost is going to be one of those but then also you know areas where you would see this being like problematic for if you know flipping the script if you were watching somebody talking about this and you were interested in doing it yourself and you had never done it yourself or uh, if you're on your if you are on a big cloud and you're kind of evaluating that yeah i mean ours was again kind of born out of experience because we when we stood up revolution we knew we were spoiled at chaparral and we had awesome computers so we're like we want these same computers we look them up and same thing they're ten thousand dollars new we're like well damn we can't afford that um found the same computer refurb for like twelve hundred dollars let's try this so we bought the refurb and it was just as good so same concept as we started with azure and i'd spun up a kind of vm and really hadn't done anything and i get a bill for the first month and it's like three hundred dollars i was like well that's ridiculous like i can buy a server for sixteen hundred dollars why would i pay $300 a month for this VM. And so that was the, the kind of the first taste of it. And funny you say that yesterday, I got a um, email from Azure. So we, Point Flow Technologies is another one of the verticals is we build kind of, our target is the small to mid-size operator. And we've got, um, we've got a pumper app that we've built on Power Apps. And we've got a kind of a Wellview competitor that we've built on QuickBooks or QuickBase. Yep. Um, and We've explored the idea of building it ourselves, um, coding an independent app. So we stood up an, an Azure VM and um, kind of built, had a guy help us and built it on there, just just a kind of a framework demo. Well, this was six months ago, and I turned that VM off in uh, November. Well, I just got an alert that was like, your December bill was $70. For the storage? It was a $70. Oh, $70 yeah, that's what I, it was like the static IP and the storage. Mm, yeah. and the, it was like you got to be an expert to go in and like configure this thing right. to when you rip it down be, that it turns off all the billing <laughs> right and then it was like I, if if i could turn the camera around i've got three computers here sitting next to me that are running different things for different clients and i think the most i spent was 350 on uh this z box here this mini forum but i bought a 200 dollars refurb that's running my kind of sql for the accounting and i don't know that that was my my genesis was like the cost and I can do and, and I can spin up several VMs on these, right. not just one. So can separate that. And so it really was cost. It was, yeah, it was, Hey, I can kind of do the same thing. One control locally too, right? here for like a lot cheaper. When, yeah. And when that, you're setting and something fed up in, from the ground, like you're talking about, right? Like, and you also have so much domain and just real life experience with all the things that you know you're gonna have to do right i know i'm gonna have to yep. have Spotfire. i know i'm gonna have to have wellview i know i'm gonna have to have all these things and it's like oh well they offer you know oh you can store it in our cloud and it's like yeah they do that to make it easy but they are gonna 
I'll be charging you for it as well. Well, right? those ones so, you're paying a super premium for too. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. In Anytime general. you're buying storage or you're from making a, concessions. I mean, like Spotfire Cloud. Yeah. I mean, I haven't tried it in the last couple of years, but it's always been inferior in my experience to Spotfire. Oh, that was a self hosted. Remember that post, Bobby, when they when I found that I could access everybody else's analysis on Spotfire Cloud. No, I don't. I don't think I saw that. Oh, I posted that LinkedIn because like. If you went to the public folder, you could see anybody out there who had saved a, uh, a public thing. And I could see like other people's other operators' LOSs. That's and, insane. Wow. Yes. Spotfire wouldn't respond to me. And they finally got like a VP who called me and he's like, what are you seeing? And I showed him. He was like, oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. I think they've since corrected it. But yeah, the, the cloud versus on-prem is is cost. And like you said, John, it's control. Is yeah. One of my, we, we did try like an Azure SQL database. And I know the first thing I saw was like, they don't have SQL agent, which to me, I live in SQL agent. Is right. I can schedule jobs. I can use SQL agent to execute PowerShell, kind of use it as like my Windows uh, task scheduler, mm-hmm. but I've got it under one hood because I'm opening SQL Management Studio every day anyway. And I can just click my job activity monitor and tell me what's ran and what hasn't. And the Microsoft answer is, uh, at that time, it was go use Flow. Flow can do all this. It's like, well, that's now another window I've got to go open and Flow can't run a local PowerShell script if I'm, say, downloading a uh, price strip and pushing it to a database. So I've got to kind of go build those connectors. And it was it was ease, but mainly cost. It yeah. was like $200 refurb computer that I've had sitting here for three years is tenfold paid off versus yeah. what a, a VM would have cost. Well, I think that's the other big thing, too, just in compute in general, right? Like when you say server, everyone thinks of a rack server and there's so many servers like there's just tower-based servers out there that look yes like that's what that is des- right yeah. look look like desktop pcs that you know everybody used to have and they just sit next to your you know on your desk or wherever you want well, them to I be mean, right? computers get ridiculous i mean you were selling it's so cheap you were selling edge you know <laughs> computers that were basically little servers mm-hmm. i mean like i mean you could probably run half the shit on nukes i mean if you needed to i mean yeah. like um yeah especially if you're just doing database so, so i mean storage. yeah things are getting you know cheap i mean like Again, you get old laptops, old PC. I mean, if you're, and again, sometimes it's, it's knowledge. Like Jeff, you've set up, I think for me is more the security. You've set up firewalls and all this stuff. And it's not probably rocket science, but like some of those things that I, again, I can, I can spin up a AWS or Azure resource mm-hmm. and I can lock it down. You know, I know how to configure all that stuff. I mean, I mean, there's time, how fast you need to spin things up. And, um, you know, again, there's those different pillars of cloud of, you know, different service tiers but yeah you know they're a shared responsibility model where it's like what you're doing right now it's it's all the, right you have all the responsibility which again if you have the expertise and can do it that's great but like for me for sure. generally like unless it's super cost prohibitive i'd rather focus on the business you know logic yeah um you can just focus on that more immediately but it, um again there's definitely trade-offs with that for sure well because even like you mentioned the security thing right like and I can't tell you how confusing I feel like all IAM security management well, on every cloud yeah. platform is and <laughs> out of the gate. And it's like, yeah, and I'm, I'm not saying it's better or easier. I mean, right. like, I mean, I'm no, not even I, an expert at it for at this sure. point, but I, I think, yeah, I agree with you. Like one, they're both, they both have their own nuances, right? Like, but yeah, it, it, I, I do agree that it really boils down to just like how comfortable are you? being able yeah. to roll your sleeves up and figure this shit out yeah and, and if you got time like bit. when you're in your i mean sometimes maybe you did or didn't have time for that you, you can tell me how it was at say when you stood up Re- revolution but if you've got some time like all right we're making this acquisition but you know we're building up so right. there's not really actual like operator work to do yet you know i mean like there's time to you know 
hey, let's let's get in here and stand right. up, you know, stand up these services, you know, stand up these machines. Yeah. You're already operating and then you go acquire a bunch of acreage yeah. and then you have to figure out how to integrate all of it, right? Yeah, I got I mean I I I agree with your kind of initial thought. I got a whole lot less worried about or placing importance on security once I realized I can drive out to a well site and open the <laughs> computer out there and it's got the password on the written on the door yeah, yeah. and I can actually just like get into whatever operator's network just like that and <laughs> half the time it's just the default admin password right but it's like again we I kind of debate I, like you said I like to swim upstream so my my MSP brethren are very big on like endpoint protection and firewall and I'm like you can do that all you want but Joe in accounting <laughs> is still going to click on the the free Bass Pro gift card and he's going to type in his email and password mm -hmm. and now he's been fished Yep. Well, they got his login credentials, so now they can get your cloud server there. I mean, sure, Microsoft's got a great firewall, but when they have direct access to it, it's no yeah. more secure than people are else. always going to be the weakest link. I oh, mean, I mean, when, when I was first messing around with the cloud, I mean, I look back now, I'm like, ooh, that was not good. Well, yeah, I mean, but I was like, I wanted this to work, so let's just set it, you yeah. know, zero 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 on the yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and now I can access it. <laughs> all, yeah, all ports open. Yeah, yeah. public yep. IP. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, shit. But, Bobby and I got. Uh, Bobby, at one point when we were working together, got a bill from who was it, AWS we yeah. were on for like eleven hundred dollars one month, and he was like, "What the hell is this?" We were literally still developing the the platform, so like everything was in staging. There was nothing that should have been yeah. remotely Someone, close to that. So being like, attacked, or like Azerbaijan was mining Bitcoin or something. Our our uh, the developer in his test environment had not changed the password. Yeah, the Postgres password, I think, or whatever and uh got in there and yeah spun up a bunch of instances on aws for their highest compute running <laughs> mining bitcoin so aws did refund us so mm -hmm. there was that but yeah it was a <laughs> well that's nice of them for your mistake it's yeah no it's props to them for that yeah but yeah well i mean it's same thing we'll, we'll watch time. we'll watch skated devices you got i don't know i think revolution has like six or seven hundred of them now that are all through uh one of their assets and every now and then you'll see one modem just go crazy because someone's hacked it or right. they ping it ping attack it and try to get in and um but yeah it, it to me that stuff happens far far less than someone clicking on an email and typing in their password oh, yeah. and man or to and your I've, point have you seen the news new scams where they're even good enough to get your your two-factor off they'll either call you or text you and be like you should have had a code pop mm -hmm. up enter that here like, <laughs> yeah or i mean shit people get get their phones spoofed i mean call yep, you can spoof phone too. Has, uh, made a very good point internally when we were talking about it. he's like you've got an hourly kid working at you know the phone store setting up new phones and it's like he could literally spoof your sim when he sets it up for zero yep. effort and yeah. then go steal everything he wanted from you but yeah and then there's the flip side like it doesn't even have to be that sophisticated to your point how many times do you go out in the field and there's you know a company field laptop with a sticky note underneath the <laughs> the lid with the password on it you know like that happens so much so it is yeah. it is a very valid uh argument on the security front because i wholeheartedly agree with you the most yeah. efficient way to get into a company isn't from the outside it's from phishing yeah. and spoofing and trying to get it from the inside of it yeah uh, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think you're you're not wrong but i, I think at the same time two wrongs don't make a right you no know, like I mean, I mean like just because sure most people are doing it wrong i mean like but uh, yeah, we, we, this could be a whole episode in of itself That's just because like setting up too many walls or firewalls or things that people are going to find a way around it. Like whether they're trying to do something internally and they can't do it, they're going to find a, a 
shitty hack i mean or someone trying to get in like they're gonna find that weak point eventually yeah. if, if it exists but um but we're, we're kind of running up a little bit on time but yep. there's two things i would like to well we can get into the speed round the last five minutes but real quick can you talk about quick base and what it's enabled i mean john and i actually used quick base back in the day at rds and um i don't know if i've known anyone else using it in our industry until you started using it um yeah but yeah so marshall hall um kind of came to me so we point flow accounting started doing his accounting at malloran energy as a operator that he spun up and we kind of got to know each other and voiced frustration over um, some of the lack of innovation and the um, well asset software and he was like hey i've got this thing i've been working on and he showed it to me and i was like that's really cool and he's like the awesome thing is it's it's cheap and super customizable so the problem i've experienced is kind of like we talked about with the uwi and apis every single operator has a little bit different way of doing things and a little bit different fields they want to track so the thing that i thought was really cool about this and why i jumped into partner with him was he was like well, i can change this well card in three minutes to put whatever field you want in it and start tracking this piece of data um because it's low code yeah and i was I was kind of like, like in your camp, Bobby, is again, I was like, hey, you really want to have, and more so it's all like, you really don't want to do low code as a long-term solution. And the more I got to thinking about it, it was like, everything kind of is low code. If you're pulling in pack, pre-built packages that are supported by right. XYZ. Or libraries, yeah. If, yeah, eventually they might not be supported anymore. Then you got to go rebuild that and kind of scramble. So I jumped in with Marshall and what we've done is we've kind of built a well view for the small to mid-size operator who can't afford the well view. And we think it does more than Wellview because we've got we've got the daily reporting costs, um, vendor tracking, but we also have flip all the way over to the other side. You can track your vehicles, your vehicle miles, your spills and incidents, um, your pipelines, your com compressor um, testing, maintenance, work orders, all that kind of stuff. It's got 101 different tables now that we've built in this thing, and it all comes under one hood. You can. You can set up your partners to get automatic emails. Um, but yeah, our, our goal is, is that, is, is we're trying to build a solution for the small to mid-sized operator who potentially a little bit cash-strapped and want to get out of Excel or the guys who can't quite afford the, the price tag of the, the big name softwares. And even they might be mid-sized with a thousand wells. Um, like, man, we're, we're spending a lot of money on this and all we're doing is tracking uh, workovers and daily costs and sending reports. It's like, okay, we can provide that to you for 25% of the cost. So that was the genesis of it. It's been really cool to watch uh, grow and we kind of continue to develop it. And I think we have seven different customers on it right now. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's all built on QuickBase. So QuickBase is a, a low code provider um, of software. And there's a couple of different add-ins that we run for like the PDF generation and, yeah. and the email and QuickBase is always innovating, which is cool to see. They've got uh, yeah, it's gotten, now pipelines to Microsoft. So you can, better since we yeah, yeah you can right towards emails, the end of our time can, at RDS. Like they, I think, did they get bought or did they got some new? They had sold into it, owned it, then they sold, yes. and then they got bought by somebody else, or they brought. So in, they've got more funding now, and then like yeah, they revamped the API and all that stuff, and it was yeah, they started doing quite. A, I mean, like offline capabilities. So just for yes. reference, Bobby and I. Uh, when we were working together, that was our internal, basically ERP CRM. We built the entire company workflow around it. So everything from our jobs to the maintenance, all of our assets, all of our equipment, all of the mileage, all of the, you know, the daily rentals and all of that stuff. 
all the way through to pushing everything out to, you know, QuickBooks for accounting and stuff. But it, uh, I personally, I also highly recommend QuickBase just because it is one of those where it's, it's not so complicated that you need a, a whole nother, you know, six months of training on how to do it, but it's so flexible when you think of the fact that like, to me, most of the internet, most apps, most things on the internet are literally just relational databases pointing to each other in APIs, right? Like you've got relationships between data and then it's just how you end up displaying that on a screen. And so the way that QuickBooks does it or uh, QuickBase is it's essentially you just set up tables for those processes that you want and those different things that you're doing, and then you can relate them all to each other. And there's all these additional plugins. They've got the API, they've got, they're constantly developing on it, but it just allows people to, to your point, it's like everybody has the same general workflow, but then you've got all these nuances for this one thing or this other thing. And then it's like, well, if the software isn't custom built for that, then you're gonna have to get it custom built or find something else. It's like, or you can right. just do it yourself. That was the beauty of it. Um, on our end. Cause it, you know, it's like, I, I mean, I'm not a, again, a, a developer, but I was one of our admins on it at, at RDS and I, you know, we needed something I could very easily add a new field, spin something up, add a relationship, add a new table, like whatever it needed to be. I could literally go do it in minutes. Um, and I think there's a lot to be said about that, that people don't really appreciate about a lot sleep of on the, it, the low code stuff is it's like, it gives the SME the ability to go build or fix or solve their problem without having to get it involved most of the time. And so that that's a really powerful thing in a lot of cases. Yep. And that's what our customers love is they're like, Hey, we, um, I don't know example, but we want to track this certain data point or we right. want to allocate costs this a different way. And Marshall and I'll knock it out in like 20 minutes and you'll be like, okay, that's done. Like, wow. This, that was fast. And, right. You don't have uh, to go refactor the entire code base. You don't have to do, it's very, very straightforward. <clears> time. Right. And with the API, you can pull data out, right. Manipulate it, push it back in if you wanted mm -hmm. to. Um, yeah. And pull data in via APIs too. I mean, that was one of the, the big things that we did finally was we tied our, our well list for all the jobs that we did back to a public data source. We were using Energent Group at the time. It just got but, bought again. Did you see that? Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> I, I actually need to ask Todd about that. Um, but they, uh, you know, and then because our field guys would get the well name and it would just be whatever the hell the company man told them the well name was, not what the public yeah. well name was. Well, or well, no API numbers. Full they, circle, the API number. Right, yeah. Because <laughs> we didn't have API numbers like in no, there. Right? When I got there, I was like, oh, you guys aren't using API yeah. number, you know. You know, well, or something to identify was, the well. We couldn't even get the API number because we couldn't get the full damn well name from, you know, the actual well name. It's like, oh, yeah, it's the UL 24. And I think it's in Lee County, New Mexico. It might be in Does it have a number sign in it, a space, space right. a dash. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, like, I was able to get it. So they put in the state and county, and then that auto filtered the well list. And then as they typed, it dropped down recommendations and they clicked on it. And then it pulled in all the well header information automatically. And it completely nice. changed all, all of stuff, that data. Right? Yeah. Lot, yeah, I really wanted it mainly for the lat longs and just so we had a normalized naming convention for all the students. There was even stuff I don't know if I ever got there, but we were talking about trying to do like some geofencing around mm -hmm. it. So like when they came with the geo tab and they got within, you know, we could almost calculate how much time we were on location yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, because we also had trackers on all the company vehicles, so we knew where all the vehicles were. Like being able to tie all that data <coughs> together is so valuable, and a lot of people don't like low code tools like that really help accelerate a lot of that stuff. But we've got four minutes left so we've got to jump into the the speed round dun dun, dun. Sure, I, need a, I need like a button drop i'm yeah. gonna see if this will 
There we go. <laughs> Hopefully it's not 30 seconds long. There we go. There we go. Thanks, Bobby. <laughs> Learning on the fly here. Yeah. yeah. I actually, I scared the shit out of myself the other day because I accidentally hit one when, before we were recording and I was like, where did that come from? I had no idea they were all programmed. Um, speed routes are just short, quick answers. Um, what are some books that you either recently liked and, and recommend or just generally speaking like and recommend oh man i'm gonna get deep into my mind here um no, overton window this is a good one um rich dad poor dad yeah and then uh the micro books are the three that i read most recently yeah, i didn't realize uh until after i read it that rich dad poor dad he went to the merchant marine academy oh i didn't know yeah that. but um well you better hurry up bobby yeah catch up with him <laughs> eh. <laughs> <laughs> <Fair>. <laughs> um all right, i think i know the answer to this one but i'm interested to see you say who's your favorite uh social media follow Ooh, um probably a tie between elon and dhh okay dhh who is who i was thinking so yeah i didn't i, I think you were the one that even like kind of triggered me onto him but He's pretty, uh, pretty anti-cloud and big on-prem guy, and for the same reason I brought up earlier, there's costs. I think people just ignore costs and in the name of convenience, and yeah, um, he, he's kind of calling that out. So I like it. Yeah, no, and they've been fighting the fight against a lot of people. Too. I mean, like I think you probably identify because he's you on a much bigger scale. Like he's taking yeah, on Apple. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I mean, you know, success is relative, but like, I mean, you're, you're doing pretty great. Thanks, but buddy. I mean. I mean, he's taking on Apple, like, cause they wouldn't put his calendar stuff on the, yeah. you know, app store. I mean, like he's, he's not afraid to, you know, ruffle feathers. Yeah. That was a fun. Yeah. It's probably what I like about Elon too, is, is he's got great technology and kind of same, just, yeah. just says, says it's on his mind. Yeah. No, that was a fun Twitter back and forth to watch <laughs> yeah. this, this past week. Um, last one, then we'll wrap it up. What is your... I know the answer about your favorite database is going to be SQL. Um, favorite cloud service? No. Yeah. No. Answer that question. Postgres. Answer that question. Favorite cloud. <laughs> I'm going to make you answer that question. Oh, since you see, so much. I mean, I'm a Microsoft guy. So there we go. Yeah, Azure. 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 Perfect. Yeah. Where can uh, where can people find you? Where can people find PointFlow? How do they get in touch? Uh, PointFlow.co is the website, and again, one of those. Why did you Why did you do PointFlow.co? gets caught in spam filters and people mistype it all the time and i don't know i just picked <laughs> i thought it was because i thought it was, was techy and edgy and it's it's kind of uh cost me a few things but yeah pointflow.co um or linkedin just search for jeff hughes or kind of whatever those are jeff at pointflow.co is my email yeah. i know what i should have, should have asked you who your favorite bank is and why is it chase <laughs> oh man we don't have yes. enough time for that conversation <laughs> Jesus. We'll, we'll follow up on that with the next episode <laughs> I have I have gotten through oh, man. Uh, two of my four stacks coding these in. Thanks, they picked Bank. they picked the wrong accountant to do that too. <laughs> like, had they known you were an accountant and also knew how to code, they would have been like, maybe we just figured this out for them. Unbelievable! <laughs> awesome. Thanks, man. I appreciate it, Jeff. Um, yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, man, absolutely. While some may see them as the crazy ones. We see genius. Because the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. Goodbye.